all the way from the land down under, we welcome the Health Bloke Podcast. Talking all this wellness. You name it, the Health Bloke will discuss it, talk about it, or prove it. Whether it's about fitness, food, lifestyle, or more. He's a realist, he's relatable, and he's really good. So settle in, relax, and enjoy. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Health Bloke Podcast, talking all things wellness. Today, I've got a fantastic podcast with Danny Kennedy from the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Thanks for joining me, DK. Yeah, it's nice. It's good. I've been looking forward to doing this one for a while. We've also got the um, the YouTube set up here as well. But for those that are listening or watching, basically today, our, I guess our target audience is personal trainers, especially those that are starting out. So um, TT's obviously been in the industry a lot longer than I have, um, but I, I guess there's probably aspects of the personal training and online coaching side of things as well that um, have changed obviously since you started. So there's a few things that I've got to offer as well. But basically, we want today's episode to be able to help personal trainers that are just starting out um, build a successful business um, and, and build from the ground up. And we're just going to share basically our advice, kind of go one for one, and, and just go over some of the things that's worked for both of us and um, TTU being the the one with the most experience, I'll let you kick things off. Yeah, thanks, DK. I think for the listener, it's probably an awesome opportunity to get two people that have been in the industry. I've been in the industry for 20 years. DK's been in the industry probably for four years now. Uh, yeah, coming four, up coming to, in five, yeah. Ca- coming yeah. in four years. And the landscape of the PT industry has probably changed a lot, but it's what it's done is giving a lot more opportunities for trainers to enter at a different level. I mean, when yeah. I started my business... I did a university course, but came out um, exercise physiology qualified, but could never get a job in that space. So yeah. I started PTing mobile. I bought, I got a $20,000 loan from the bank, sign riding on the van, and just drove around um, Melbourne CBD and did mobile training. Yeah. Um, as I said, the entry level was 20K. Obviously, today with the change in entry level, um, you probably don't need 20 grand to start up. You might say to the listeners, DK, you started off you know, w- without a bank loan at all. Yeah, 100%. Like when I started out, um, I guess the difference between yourself and and me is that when I started out, I actually started working under you, so I wasn't starting my own business. So yeah. I guess in that respect, I was lucky to be able to learn from someone else while kind of not having to fork out a large amount of cash to, yeah. to get things moving, um, whereas you've kind of built yours like yeah. 100% from the ground up. And I guess for the for the viewer and the listener, the hardest part for you guys is probably to think about how you're going to grow your clientele base, and, yeah. and that's the hardest part. If you're going out as a solo PT, and, and I was 100% mobile, how do you get that first client? How does that first client t- turn into your second client, your third client, etc.? Mm-hmm. And that's the process you've really got to follow or map out. You can have a great business plan on paper, but if you can't get clients through the door, if you can't actually go and see clients, then you haven't got a business. And I guess the beauty of... When I had it, um, I was born in Melbourne. I was lucky enough to have quite a network of people. And I think regardless of what any whatever industry you're in, you're only as good as your network. Um, yeah. And I guess the credit to DK, I've had plenty of employees that have come to work for me. Certainly none have been successful. Not all of them have been successful. Plenty of still working with me have been for, for 10 or 13 years. But DK's come in. Um, understand, understood his strengths, um, and then really honed in on 
a specific area that he wanted to focus on. For me, it was sort of more corporate health. So the PT led me down to that track of, of yeah. doing corporate health. For you, it's something different, DK. I guess your database or your clients come to you now because you're the expert in your field. Yeah, and you bring up a good point there. Something that I found out very quickly is when you come in, and I guess most new personal trainers will know exactly what I'm talking about, is you almost feel the pressure to have a full client book straight away or you feel like it should happen really quickly when that's just not the case. And it can get you kind of pretty upset and negative about the whole thing if you're not picking up clients straight away. And I think because of that, you end up doing a lot of things that aren't necessarily your strengths or aren't necessarily what you actually want to do. And as contradicting as as it is, um, you basically want to be getting a good, a good, a a very, very um, range, I guess, of different areas of personal training to see what you like. But Mm. on the other hand, you also need to figure out pretty quickly what area you want to focus on and really become the master of that and kind of master that craft. And instead of trying to be the jack of all trades, Mm. um, figure out what it is that you're good at and create that kind of niche and and really narrow down and give people a reason to come and see you and and build on that strength. Like you said, um, yours initially was with with corporate health. Yep. Mine's probably more the sports-specific or um, body composition type of training where I'm using strength training yeah. and, and nutrition to basically achieve a desired physique or, or performance-based stuff. Um, whereas at the start, I was trying to do anything and everything yeah. and felt like I was spinning the wheels where as soon as I narrowed down and really decided what my niche was, yeah, absolutely. that's when things started to, to move along a little quicker. But it does take time and it's yeah, it definitely took a lot longer to build up that base initially than what I was expecting or hoping. And even a few of the trainers that have come in and, and asked me for advice or just doing their work experience or whatever say that same thing. Yeah. You know, They're expecting to have... A, a full yeah. client list within the first couple of months, but it just not it's just not going to happen like yeah. that. And it is a tough industry. Um, and DK mentioned a few good points there, but I think you don't want to get pigeonholed as a trainer um, in the early stages. You just really want to develop your skill set, so then you can roll in and fill hours. Like obviously, DK's speciality is physique training. That's not to say that I couldn't potentially train someone, you know, for that. It's like. Danny might have hours in the middle of the day where he needs to do corporate health stuff, um, then he can also go ahead and do this corporate health stuff. Yeah, 100%. So I, I think it's really important that you have both, um, obviously 80% of your work is, you know, is, is your passion and yep. 20% will pay the bills, you know, and obviously you need to do that. It's a tough industry, you're up early, um, and if you're working both bookends early morning and late nights, it can become pretty demanding. Mm. But, you know, there's that famous saying, if you find the job you're passionate about then you never work a day in your life so it's yeah. trying to find that niche or find that passion and it might take you a couple of years in the industry to understand what that is yeah exactly and if you're putting obviously all of your focus on that niche or that area that you want to focus on but then having the things on the side you're not putting all your eggs in the one basket mm. so you know it's something that helped me out a lot which is probably a little bit different to when you started is that I got into the nutrition coaching and the mm. online space um yeah. relatively quickly and you know that's helped me massively especially not only um, with clients but also just having a lot less stress because as a personal trainer it's very inconsistent yeah um, it's never going to be you never really have the same week that you had the week before so yeah because I didn't have all my eggs just in that personal trainer basket I also had some stuff with the online and you yeah. gave me a few opportunities with corporate health yeah um, 
you know, when one quietens down, you've got the other one to yeah. to kick back on as well. It's a good good point. And I think, DK, for the, for the listeners and the viewers, it's really important when you're modelling your business plan. If you're just structuring your PT business model, you can really only look at generating a constant income stream for about 45 weeks a year. Mm. Um, and I guess for me, that's why the corporate market was so attractive yep. because it was that consistency of cash flow. It was a contract, so it was a 12-month contract. Yeah. Rather, in PTs, you always lose time for school holidays or Christmas or Easter. There's always yeah. public holidays when you can't actually generate you know, a full book, so to speak. So I guess for yeah. you, having that online market yeah. is an asset to your business. Again, for you, having that online market is great that you're not just dependent upon the Australian market and the Australian time zone. Mm. So I think you've got to look at your business model, how many weeks you can generate doing flat-out PT. Is it 45 weeks or can you... Um, create a business model or a service offering online, which which you're currently doing. Yep, yep, definitely. And so let's just go, I think we'll um, we'll try and keep it as much as we can just to personal trainers yep. in the gym, because that's probably who's listening or watching at the moment. So when you first started out, um, you know, you were, you were trying, did you have X amount of hours per week that you were trying to aim for or you have yeah, certain hours absolutely. that you just wanted to work yep. or did you just work as much as you could yeah. when you could? Or? Yeah, good point, DK. And my initial goal was five hours a day, six days a week. Yep. You know, so I targeted it 30, 30 hours a week. I guarantee that you could always feed your morning clients. Mm-hmm. Lunchtime, you might be able to get one or two there um, and then evenings were always busy, you know. Yep. So you, And then Saturdays are a great opportunity to half a day. Um and then five hours was a realistic goal. For me, when I first started, and this would be good for the, the listeners and the viewers, unfortunately, my mindset was time on task. So I'd always do hour sessions. I didn't probably look at doing half an hour or 45-minute sessions. I thought the busier I am, the more successful I was, yeah. which was the wrong mindset. Harder you work, yeah, the it, better it, it is. Exactly. Yeah. So I was just grinding all the time. you know. And I got up, you know, some of my weeks, I might be doing 40 hours or 42 hours of PT, yeah. thinking that that was smart. Um, yeah. But I was working harder and not smarter. Working yourself into the ground, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, you've got to have a target. You, you've got to have, um, you know, what's realistic, um, depending upon where your gym's based, where it's located. Is the corporate market uh, an opportunity mm. to do that? If it is, can you get lunchtime clients? Yep. Uh, we're fortunate enough in the area where we work, Danny, that we do get a lot of self-employed people. So yeah. there's a little bit of flexibility there. So um, if you're looking at growing your target audience, do you look at small business owners that can get away from the workplace? Do you look at you know, people that are in charge of their time uh, and they can w- walk away? So that being your top-end corporate execs rather than people that are pretty much bound to their desk nine to five. Mm. Now, before we get into want to, I want to go over actually gaining clients now or generating yeah. leads and, and new clients, but you touched briefly on you know the different dynamics of the sessions not doesn't just have to be a 60 minute session it could be 45 30 yep. i think something else that's starting to really grow at the moment which almost ties into the online coaching side of things is not working you know you're not trading your time for money or yeah. trying not to just trade your time for money and by that i mean you know there's i know a lot of trainers now that are trying to get say a group of 10 guys yeah. Wanting, all wanting to achieve the same thing to come in and pay X amount per week yeah. and you train them all together once a week and yep. you might have a Facebook group or something mm. where you're talking to them during the week but yep. instead of making say 80 bucks an hour you're now making 200 or something yeah. an hour yeah. um, and you're not trading all those hours for that same amount of money so there's yep. heaps of different dynamics whether it's group training two on one one on one um, you know, different like sporting teams. Um, mm. You might have a group of mums or a group of girls that want to achieve the same thing. So it doesn't just have to be that one-on-one personal training that everyone else is already doing. I yeah. think it's 
it's now's the best time to really try and find a, a bit of a gap in the market and see absolutely see what people actually want um, and not just follow along with what everyone else has already done. Yeah, and I think you made a good point there. You've got to try and quantify quantify how much money you can make in an hour mm. um, and still offer a really good service. Like you yeah. can't come in and say, okay, you're going to have 10 blokes and 50 bucks. Um, yeah, exactly right. But you, you've got to find a price point that suits your clientele, find a price point that suits your demographic. But also I think when you're doing groups like that, DK, I find it a hell of a lot easier because you're not um, – the sole motivator mm. you've got a group of mates that are together a group of corporates yeah. together that encourage each other they keep yeah. each other accountable um, I actually find it a lot easier than one-on-one apart from the fact that you're getting more money out of it yeah I think um, there, there's a number of uh, added values to doing group training in terms of keeping people together and accountable for their training yep now let's just touch over briefly or not briefly we'll go into a little bit of detail but generating new clients yeah um, I think I'll let you, let you jump in first, but what, what have you found has been the most effective way to generate new new clients and new leads? Yeah, I guess at the end of the day, um, it's really, this is the most important part of growing a PT business because mm. um, if you can generate one client, that one client can snowball into two clients, but it's a, it all comes down to your service delivery and, and what you offer and what you stand for. So again, if you're a PT based in the gym, there's no better way to sell yourself than to train yourself in front of you know, your gym members yeah. or offer advice or engage with members and come across you know, friendly in your personality, your body language. Yeah, um, at the end of the day, you've got to be, first and foremost, a really good communicator. Um, I came out of uni and started my business and one of my um, unique selling points for my business was I was always going to have um, uni qualified trainers. Mm. You know, So I could have the hot, most highly educated trying to come out of third year human movement, but they couldn't communicate or engage with their yeah, clients. Yeah. So there's no retention there. Yeah. So I think you've got to be a good communicator and certainly you can engage and you can improve on that. If you find you're not a great communicator, um, you've got to look at ways how you can do that. And you've got to be a role model and you've got to be a mentor and you've got to be a motivator. Yeah. So you know, they're the, th- the th- you know, three key things, you know, presentation, punctuality, professionalism, mm. you know, that, that's, you know, they're standalone things which I assume you'd all expect to do. But in terms of generating your business, it's getting one client and then engaging with them and trying to get them results and then selling their services. And they'll be your best marketing tool. They'll be your best sounding board if you're delivering them a really good service. The beauty of working out of a gym, you've probably got a captive audience Mm -hmm. or or a database to work with. And like all of us, we've all given sessions away for free. Don't be afraid to do that, you know. Don't be afraid for trading time, you know. Um, and working off that model until you get enough clientele where you don't need to do that. Yeah, you bring up a few good points. One, which you taught me very early on, is how important relationships are and networking and building relationships with your clients. Regardless of what lead generation um, techniques you use or client generation uh, techniques you use, the best best marketing technique will always be word of mouth and referrals. Like even now, the, the amount of social media and all that type of stuff that I'm doing and you're doing, for me, the biggest biggest uh, generator of new clients and bringing clients in is word of mouth and and just um, and getting testimonials from clients that I've yep. already got. The second thing is working inside a gym in front of members, especially when the busiest times of the day is during peak hour. You literally have a sales pitch every time you're in the gym. Yep. Like if you're training a client, um, you know you're putting in the effort. They're getting results. They're training mm. hard. Yeah. You're showing that you actually care with for that client and people in the gym are going to see that all the mm. time. And if they're in there five days a week and you're in there five days a week, you literally are yep. giving a sales pitch every time you're in there. So, you know, it's about, like you said, presenting yourself well, 
um, getting your clients results. That's the most important thing. It's, yeah. it's all well and good to bring in a new client, but if you don't get them results, yeah. they won't hang around. So totally. client retention is yeah. is something that yeah. um, that's extremely important yeah. and that you try and teach to the new trainers very early on. Yeah. I think that's one thing I've spent a lot of time doing is retention and forming that relationship with clients. Mm. And obviously, you want to have a really good relationship and really good rapport with them, um, but there's that fine line where you don't want to cross the line as well because yeah. you... You, know, you you want them to be a client. You want to be hard enough and firm enough that they do get results. Um, but at the end of the day, I've had clients that I've been training for 13 years. Yeah. You know, and that's just because we've got a good relationship. There's trust. Um, there's an understanding. You know, on both levels. And at the end of the day, I'm providing a service that they don't think they can get themselves. Yeah. So you've got to understand what your client wants, as yeah. you say. Uh, is it results? Is it for physique? Is it for sport? Is it performance? Or is mm. it general lifestyle? And mm. I've got plenty of clients that are just lifestyle trainers. That yeah. If they weren't training with me, they wouldn't go to the gym at all. Yeah, and that's the thing. That in the end of the day, you've got to think that what we provide as a personal trainer is usually going to be the first thing that's cut when people look at cutting costs, mm. if it's just for the sake of having a trainer or if it's just for what they're getting in terms of being trained in the gym because they can do that by themselves whenever they want. But... If it's a relationship, if it's, you know, like you said, people coming in and and you you almost not being a counsellor, but like yeah. talking to them about what's been going on during the week and yeah. whatnot, like like that's what people look forward to the most. Like a lot yeah. of the time they'll come in, um, they've had a, a shit day at work or something like that and then they come in and the hour that they spend with you is their favourite or their best yeah. hour of the day. So you've got to yeah. keep take that into account. It's funny, DK, I'll get you to read it out. I got a text from a client today. Um and it just there's a little photo of the caption. So the caption says, "I'm not just a GP, I'm your specialist in life." And uh, and my client's response was, "This is how I feel about you, bud. I'm not just a PT, life specialist." And that's that's awesome. And I think we both yeah. get very similar similar responses to from clients. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you've got to think about you know you you probably got to change your mindset. And you're a performance coach, uh, you know, And I, when I started out with this whole personal trainer thing, I struggled with um, being called a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't agree with the industry back then, and in terms of what people classified as personal trainers, um, and the viewers these days, I think there's a lot more respect around the industry. Yeah. Um, so whether you want to call yourself a life coach, a health coach, a personal trainer, a strength and conditioning specialist, whatever you want to call yourself. Um, but I think to a lot of your clientele, you're a hell of a lot more than just a, just a PT. Mm-hmm. And with that brings client retention, client rapport, client respect. Yeah, and I saw a post recently from uh, from Tony Doherty, actually. He put up a post about how he sees, like, you, you have a privilege as a personal trainer that you, gen, like, you can genuinely brighten up someone's day or make their whole week, yeah. that, that one hour or however many times they see you per yeah. week like I said, could be their best hour and you don't know what's going on outside of that. So yep. you need to kind of take pride in, in having that opportunity to, to yeah. help them out, not only physically but mentally as well. But a couple of other things I'll just quickly list in terms of generating new clients is is thinking outside of the box as well. So it doesn't just have to be in the gym. And as we both mentioned, initially it's, it's bloody hard to build up a client list. But if you're willing to put in the work, um, and, and do the hard yards early, it can pay off. So, you know, things like offering free PT sessions, something I've found massively uh, helpful for myself is just documenting sessions or documenting my own journey through social media. Um, and that's what it has to be. It has to be documenting. It shouldn't be mm. creating content for the sake of making a good video 
that, that gets a lot of likes and views or, or a picture that gets a lot of likes because in the end of the day, it has to represent what you're doing. And over time, if people see that and that um, correlates with what their yeah. goal is or their passion is, they'll come to you. Um, things like going to cafes and shops around the area and trying to build up a bit of a partnership with them or it might be a physio or massage therapist yeah. where you refer clients to each other. At a cafe, it might be you know every time someone buys their 10th coffee, they get a free PT session with you and, and then you obviously tell that your clients to go and have a coffee there or something like that. But just building relationships yeah. with people outside of the gym as well. Because um, if you've got someone, for example, that's that's sending you five free PTs a week and you're actually putting in the effort and gaining and, and signing them on as a client, like yep. that's huge. Yeah. I think you raise a really good point there, DK, about going around to cafes or physios or doctors. It's that networking again. And we'll, I'll harp on it. It doesn't matter what business you're in. The greatest success is through the network of people you have. Yep. So form that tribe, form you know your, your team around you. What adds value? What complements you? Is it a dietitian? Is it a nutritionist? Is it you know a physio, an osteo, who it might be? And make sure that you've been treated by them, or you currently you know yeah. so it aligns with you know what you feel and what you believe, um, and you also utilise their services. And again, I think there's no better way than um, aligning yourself with other allied health professionals and look like you can complement each other yeah. yeah there's too much divide between yeah. osteos physios chiros pts can be a really good link between you know a number of different yeah, health professionals yeah and another thing that i've found helpful and you guys have, that are listening and watching are already doing it yourselves but is even just uh observing other trainers or going and having a coffee with another trainer or someone mm-hmm. that's been in the industry longer than you have and just picking their brain um and being open to trying new things yeah. and finding out what's worked for them um, I think that can yeah. be a really, really good thing as well, and just seeing how other people do it because there's plenty of things. Even, even you know, Tori, who's been in the industry for ages, I'm sure there's still times where you know you see a trainer doing something where you go, oh, "I've never thought of that," or "That's yeah. working well for them," and totally. then you might add that to your. Yeah, and I think you've always got as a PT, you've got to always look outside the square. And I think the beauty with DK as a young trainer who's passionate about the industry and it's probably a lifestyle trainer, he'll, he'll be in the industry forever, he's always looking at um, learning and development, whether that be reading, whether that be journal articles, mm. whether that be on the internet, whether that be through Instagram, you're always looking at ways you can improve your service offering. Yeah. Uh, and I guess in the gym environment, um, sometimes you can get a little bit stale and you need to you know, regenerate yourself, uh, whether that be doing a short course, whether that be speaking to other trainers or... Mm or um, specialists in the field, what can you do to improve your knowledge, your value, your service every quarter or every six months? Yeah, and as soon as you get complacent, then oh. then that's that's when things and are going to die off, especially with your business. Yeah, and your clients will be aware of it. And mm. I guarantee you, um, and it's a really good point for you guys if you're working at a gym session, you've always got to have your mindset that you're a motivator. If you've had a shit day or if you've had a fight with your partner or whatever, yeah. don't come and speak about that to your client. Yeah, like exactly. You've just got to put it in the back and put on a brave face and soldier on and make sure that your client is the priority because they're yeah. paying you good money. They don't want to hear about your issues. Even It doesn't matter how close you are to them. Mm. Um, it really is about you, about them first and foremost. And if, if afterwards they want to engage and help you, then so be it. But I guess the sole focus needs to be on them. I see too many trainers that come in and they'll talk about themselves for the hour, for the hour yeah. rather than you know, spending all the time on the client. Yeah. Um, I wanted to also have a chat about, um, this goes into a bit more detail, but those that are listening are here for a reason. So in terms of finances and payments and stuff yep. from clients, yep. 
Um, is there any any kind of yeah. um, is there any ways that you would recommend in terms yeah. of a client paying you per session or totally. a package session yeah. or what's works best for you? And, and this, as a small business owner when I first started, I was so worried about growing my client base that I was probably too relaxed on the finances. Yeah. So I'd say, yeah, DK, you know, train with me. Uh, don't worry about payment. You know, let's sort that out later. Let's sort that yeah. out later. Whereas these days, I'm 100% about paying for my services up front. Yeah. You know, so I'll either you know, buy a block. So buy a block, you know, create a block of five or 10 or 15 or 20. Yeah. Or say, okay, you're going to average two sessions for the week and try and invoice them up front. So you've got cash flow. Yeah. Rather than being at the end of the day, I might be you know twenty or thirty grand in arrears because yeah. I've been training, I've been trying to pay myself and live off that, yeah. and not getting the money in the bank until yeah you know, the end of the month. So I think it's really important to have your service offering, and whatever it might be, your cancellation policy, your terms of payment, yeah. make sure your clients aware of it mm. first and foremost. Yeah. So then it doesn't become awkward. Exactly, you know? and, and that's the hardest part is you don't want to lose the clients. You don't want to ask them for money. Yeah, but as soon as you start doing that, then you're not valuing your service. Yeah, and they will pick up on that straight away if they yep. don't turn up to a session and you go, "It's all right." You know, you might do that the first time, yeah. or if there's a genuine reason, then that's fine. But if you let them off the hook a few times and they they've had a long day at work and they just can't be bothered coming in, yeah, then if they don't come in, they won't expect to pay. Whereas if you know, if you said to them, yeah. say for example, they're a uh, you know someone that's that's working in the corporate world who charges a lot of money for an hour of their time and you just didn't rock yeah. up to a meeting, they wouldn't be happy about it. So sometimes that's a good way to, if you do have a client that is not particularly happy about the fact of being charged for not coming, well, then you've just got to explain to them right up right up front and just say, well, yeah. you know, this is what my hour is worth. Yep. Someone totally. else could have been here. It's exactly the same as any other job. And yep. that just comes back to the respect, like you said before, and, yeah. and making sure that people are aware of that. Um, now, just to finish off, finish this off, unless there's anything else you want to go over, um, obviously, being such a full-on job, and as yep. you mentioned, you've got to be fully passionate. There's long hours. Um, there's a lot more that goes into it than just the hour that you spend with the client in the gym. Mm. It's pretty easy to get burnt out, and I yep. think this is something that I struggle with, and I still do to an extent, yeah. of going too hard and just running myself into the ground. And then in the end, not only do you suffer, but the service you're providing drops off as well. So totally. what, do you have any recommendations in terms of you know, allowing yourself time to completely switch off, might yeah. be going away or, yep. or stuff like that. Yeah, I'm a massive fan of um, planning for all that sort of stuff. So I'd, I'd like to take regular holidays. I'm fortunate enough now that I'm in the position that my business is probably big enough that I don't have to work Saturday mornings. Yeah. And I find that having a weekend is great, mm. uh, but I understand and respect for you guys as startup PTs, you'll probably be working six days. Um, so it's really important to do something for yourself um, at least three days a week yep. and, and tune off, get away from your PT, get away from your gym. Um, a lot of the time, you probably find that you're in the gym, you get stale of that environment. So do something outside of that. Go away for a long weekend, take a Friday afternoon off. Um, rather than don't think you have to grind all the time because sooner or later, as DK, you get run down, you'll get sick, you'll have to have time off work um, or your sessions and your training and your business won't be going as well as it is because you, you burn out and you lose the passion for the industry. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's really important. I'd at least try and have you know a good holiday once a quarter. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I'm fortunate enough now that I can plan my holidays. I've got three kids now, so it's around the school holidays. So at school holidays now, we'll take off in a week or so for a few days. It only needs to be five days. And I always plan it. I'm always quiet Friday afternoons. Yeah. So if we can fly out on a Friday afternoon... Yeah. You get half a day Friday, yeah. Saturday, Sunday, so you don't miss too much. Um, I always, you know, I'd never take off um, on a Monday. I'd always take off on a Friday, so yeah. it's two days. So 
effectively I'd only ever lose five days of income yep. and I'd get nine days of holidays. So yep. I'd take two weekends and a yep. full week. Um, so it's imperative, just little things like that, is structuring your holidays around your clients' commitments. If you've got a lot of clients that go overseas during Europe, then plan your holidays over that time. If it's mm. quiet over Christmas, take some time off over Chrissy. Uh, and I guess the, biz- the beauty of your business model, DK, is you are online, you've got enough IP these days that you can sell packages, you can sell programs, yeah. you can sell books yeah, online, yeah. Yeah. so you can generate an income there. But for me, if I don't have corporate contracts, I only get paid for the hours yeah, I yeah. do. Yep. And it's, it's really important as well on those, like you said, it doesn't have to be a three-week holiday. It could even be three or four days or two days over mm. the weekend where you just go away. But the most important part is to actually have the time away yeah. and switch off. Totally. This is what I struggle with still. But taking that time where you're not doing anything work-related at all, um, even, if it, even if it comes down to switching off your phone for two days. So by the time you yeah. come back, you actually feel refreshed because two days of comp- nothing to do with work yeah. will leave you more refreshed than three weeks of checking your emails every couple of hours yeah. and, and doing work here and there yeah. over the span of three weeks. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think we're all in that space now and you guys as new or startup PTs or PTs that want to grow, um, you're of that mindset that you've got to be grinding all the time uh, and you see it on social media, you see other people doing it, but I think you've really got to reflect on where you want to be in six months and 12 months and have a bit more of a long-term mm. point of view rather than be short-term because at the end of the day, your business will suffer, you will get burnout, and you'll be a loss to the industry. Yeah, 100%. All right, guys, well, unless you've got anything else to say, TT, I think that's we've covered most things. If you do have any other questions or stuff you want covered, yeah, um, we'd be more than happy to do another episode or, or part two. But Yeah, um, I think for your viewers and for my viewers and listeners, DK, it's probably a really important point to establish where they are first and foremost as a business yep. and really map out your business model and what it looks like. You know, What are your income streams? For DK, it's online, it's you know, face-to-face, it's through you know, social media and podcasts and YouTubes. For me, it's PT, it's um, having rental PTs, so other trainers working for me and having corporate contracts. That, yep. that, that's my income stream. You know, and I, I can work out what I'm going to earn out of the PT department yep. and what I'm going to work out from, uh, earn from the corporate department and then pay myself a wage accordingly. So I think as a startup PT, you're probably best off looking at what are the service offerings outside of just you know, one-on-one PT or group yeah. PT. What other things can you bring to the table to get an income stream? Awesome, 100%. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to both the Fitness and Lifestyle podcast and the Health Bloke podcast. Yeah, thanks for, uh, listeners for another episode of the Health Bloke podcast. Jump online, download it, share it, review it. I, uh, I love having you involved. Awesome, guys. All right, well, we'll catch you in another episode soon. Thanks so much for tuning in. As TT just mentioned, if you haven't subscribed to both of our podcasts, please do. We've got plenty more content coming up. Make sure you jump in and check out some of the past episodes as well, um, and we'll chat to you guys again soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, DK. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Health Bloke Podcast, talking all things wellness. If you haven't subscribed, please do. Leave a review or share. We all know that the health bloke wants everyone to make health a habit.